Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think one of the things kind of becoming pretty clear to me both about this year and when you look back on what has just occurred for Georgia football the last two years, winning the national championship, perhaps the 2022 team in particular. You know, most of us have waited all our lives to see Georgia have that level of success. And man, we loved it. We had a chance to enjoy it. And many of us kind of wondered what it would feel like for Georgia to have the success that we've all seen Georgia have these last couple of years. And I think reflecting back on that now, I think the one thing we have to acknowledge is what it felt like was, especially last year, incredibly easy. I mean, who would have ever thought winning a national championship would be as easy as Georgia made it look a year ago? 11 of its 12 regular season games were essentially non-competitive. Really, only one of its postseason games was in any way competitive. Of the 15 games that Georgia played last year, there were only two of those games in which at any point in time, you thought there was any real chance that Georgia might lose. That's what we all experience, and that's our real life, so it seems normal to us. But when you pan back a little bit and look at the 100-and-something years of Georgia football that took place prior to that and the simultaneous seasons that are taking place for 100-and-something other teams around college football and this and every other year, what you realize is is that Georgia's march towards an inevitable national championship a year ago is a total outlier compared to most of the sport in the present tense and in the past tense and in likely the future tense. College football is just not set up to be as easy as Georgia made it look a year ago. And I think most of us, or at least a lot of us perhaps, during last season as Georgia was going through all of this, I think the question we kept asking ourselves is, is Georgia really going to make this look as easy as it does all the way to the end? Ohio State tried to change that. Missouri tried to change that. But ultimately, that was about it. Everything else for Georgia was way, way easy, way easier than almost any national championship team has been for any team. National championship season has been for any team and anything that kind of reflects the modern era. And so here this year in 2023, what we are confronted with is this year ain't last year for either one of two reasons. Either Georgia's just not quite a national championship-level team, more on that in a moment, or B, Georgia's pursuit of this year's national championship is going to come with far more challenges and far more potential adversity and far more just sort of tough games, close competitive games, than last season provided. We don't quite know which one of those storylines is going to become true that sort of proves that this year is different than last year, but we do know in some form or fashion what we are experiencing as Georgia fans this year is not a replication of what happened a year ago. So let me ask you this. What do most normal teams do in the midst of tough situations? And almost every team in college football has a lot of them. Most normal teams lean on a very good player, perhaps a great player, to get them out of tough spots. Georgia the last couple of years has not had to do that. Georgia the last couple of years, last year, certainly in 2021, had so many great players that there was no need for superstar so-and-so to come out here and save the day on offense or on defense or whatever else because there were so many great players on these last two teams that greatness often got obscured. Georgia could call upon any number of players on defense, any number of players on offense. It could be a different hero every week and Everything was just going to be fine for Georgia because of the overall roster depth that it had. But this year, things are different. This year, sometimes you kind of find yourself looking around to say, wow, who is going to save Georgia's bacon today? Because for a good while on Saturday, and South Carolina game is kind of the same way, you have these moments in which things just don't look so great from time to time. You really start to fear, oh my gosh, is Georgia going to lose? which is how most college football fans live week to week. They just hope their team wins, and they hope that their team's superstar player steps up and gives them a chance to win. Well, now that's kind of what Georgia is like too. And obviously that superstar power, uh, player is Brock Bowers. And the identity of Georgia football to me is pretty clear here right now. Georgia needs Brock Bowers to be at his, at his best every week to give Georgia its best chance of winning. The last two years, Georgia was just not that reliant on any one individual player. 
But this particular team is going to be a little bit more reliant on a superstar player than previous Georgia teams have have been. So thank goodness Georgia's got a superstar player the caliber of Brock Bowers. A year ago, they didn't have to do this. Bowers was, I think, still one of the best players in college football a year ago. But the fact of the matter is Georgia could choose not to use him when it wanted to. Bowers only had two catches last year against Oregon. That was a top 25 team. Only had three catches against Sanford in week two. Against Auburn, the same team that Georgia just played a year ago, just two catches. Tennessee, big showdown against the number one team in the country. Georgia won easily that day, only throwing the ball to Bowers three times. Uh, against Kentucky, remember that game in which points were hard to come by? Bowers only two receptions that day there as well. Now, when you got to the uh, postseason, Bowers had a total of 17 catches in Georgia's three postseason games a year ago. But big regular season games last year, Georgia could count on winning them without throwing the ball very much to Brock Bowers. But not anymore. Now, Bowers is the guy Georgia has to lean on when it wants to win games. South Carolina game, that was kind of true. That was definitely true against Auburn on Saturday. He is the guy that is going to propel Georgia to victory. He is the individual player that is leading Georgia right now, more so than any individual player has had any reason to lead Georgia over the last couple of years. Now, what's cool about this is, is if you want to go back to the offseason, Kirby Smart sort of foreshadowed this a little bit. Georgia's always been one of these teams that's content to spread the ball around, not throwing to Bowers because it wanted to throw the ball to other guys or give other guys handoffs or touches in some form or fashion. Georgia's been very much an ensemble cast on offense. But when Kirby Smart did an interview this past summer with Cole Kublik and Greg McElroy, the radio show in Alabama, the two former SEC stars, Kirby kind of talked about Bowers, and we said this at the time, that this was perhaps Kirby kind of foreshadowing the idea they knew they had one more season with a truly special player, and they needed to find a way to feed him this year in a way they have not fed players previously in the Kirby Smart era. We said this at the time. That prophecy appears true. Let's go back to the summer and get a reminder of this, of Kirby Smart saying, we know Bowers is special, therefore we want to make sure we get him the football. This is what Kirby said during the summer. How much more can we see from Brock Bowers this year? How much? How many more different things can he do for your football? Team? As many times he can touch the ball, he needs to touch it. He is a special. Play him on, special de- play him on defense. Hey, I could do it, man. He can play it. I guarantee you that. <laughs> well, when I talked to him before I had you guys this year, he said, "You know, I have lined up at tailback." Yeah, he worked at tailback because we didn't have any backs, and we took about a week long camp deal and worked him at tailback in case we needed him. <laughs> the guy's ridiculous. He's, he's a good a, player, he's man. Insane. So the idea of, hey, as many times as he can touch it, he needs to. Smart said that in the summer. We made note of that then. Because Georgia has not typically been a, as many times as he can touch it, he needs to kind of offense. Georgia's been a, we want to get this guy involved and that guy involved and this guy involved and that guy involved. But now the personnel situation for Georgia, it's just so obvious that Bowers is not only the best player on this team, he is the best player in all of college football. And so, therefore, when Georgia, who kind of finds itself playing more close in competitive games than it's seen at any point in time in this kind of national championship era for UGA, you're going to have to lean on your best play in order to win these games. It's a different version of Georgia, but that's what you got right now. So, thank goodness you had Brock Bowers on Saturday. This is what Kirby said about his performance, pulling Georgia ahead, giving him a chance to win on the road against the Tigers, Kirby again. Bowers did what he does. I mean, the guy's amazing. It's 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 a wonder why you just don't go to him every play. You know, people people know he's there. Um, try to find ways, creative ways to find him the ball. And you know, we need guys around him, and they have. I mean, Dejon stepped up. Lad made plays today for a guy that didn't practice much all week. He made some plays. Rara made a hell of a conversion on a speed out off of a corner cat. I mean, there's a lot of guys made plays. We need more playmakers around Brock so that people can't uh, isolate him. Obviously, that's true. You want more than just Bowers. But once again, you heard Kirby say it. This is a different type of deal for Georgia y'all right now. Kirby says, you almost wonder why you just don't throw it to him every single time. Like, that's not Kirby Smart's typical MO, modus operandi, or however you say it. That's not Kirby's typical MO when it comes to stuff like this. But this is a different type of team, different type of season than certainly last year was, and a different type of player than almost any other player that's ever played at – this Georgia program at any point in time in its history. This is the best player in the country. And thank goodness he was wearing the Georgia uniform on Saturday because Georgia doesn't win on Saturday without him. 
So you're kind of led to, to ask the question of, well, my gosh, are we seeing the the potential of emergence of a of a Heisman Trophy type season? As crazy as it is that a tight end could win the Heisman Trophy, is this a real thing that's happening before our eyes right now? I'm going to credit Mike Griffith. I think it's an appropriate question to ask after a game like this in which Bowers was so good. And credit to Kirby Smart, who was also willing to kind of entertain the idea that if Bowers really is the best player and right now leading the number one team in the country, then perhaps he really should win the Heisman Trophy this is what Kirby somewhat reluctantly but all the you know nonetheless willing to 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 talk about that on Saturday night Kirby again I hate getting into those man I hate getting into that debate because I'm worried about our team and so is he but I mean who can argue that there's a better football player anywhere in the country just football player I mean the guy has the greatest toughness and grit that I've been around and he'll do whatever you ask him to do for this team and uh, got a lot of respect for for that guy's a competitor I love it from Kirby, man. It reminds you of the way that he also sold Jordan Davis back in 2021 when we were doing the hashtag JD to NYC. Kirby Smart kind of got on board with that and kind of you know openly talked about that too. Kirby doesn't like individual accolades for individual players, and guys like Brock Bowers don't necessarily want that for themselves either. But you better believe we're going to do the job of saying what we see. We're going to call balls and strikes. In this particular case, no one's playing better than Brock Bowers. No one is better than Brock Bowers. He is leading and propelling Georgia right now. So – I think for those of us who are Georgia fans, we got to get ready to embrace this. We got to get ready to, to to see this as a different type of Georgia team in a different type of season, one in which the identity is a little bit more about one guy than it kind of has been in the past. And when it's a guy who does the stuff that Bowers is capable of doing, I think that's really fun. And who knows how this season ends for Georgia? We'll have more on that in a moment. But what we do know right now is, is that every step Georgia takes towards greatness, it's going to be Bowers who leads the way on that. And I do think this could actually be a real Heisman uh, story here unfolding before our eyes, especially over the course of the next few weeks. Georgia plays three games in the month of October. It's got Kentucky on Saturday, unbeaten versus unbeaten you know, uh, two ranked opponents, big national showcase type game taking place on a Saturday night. A lot of eyes on Bowers right there. It's got Vanderbilt after that. Ultimately, that doesn't, you know, probably move the needle very much, but it's a big chance for big stats. Then it's the cocktail party to end the month uh, in Jacksonville against a salty Florida defense, even though the Gators have already lost uh, a couple of times here. That's another kind of showcase type game. Here's what I'm telling you. As Georgia kind of finds out more about itself over the course of the next few weeks and hopefully keeps right on winning, as Georgia kind of does all that kind of stuff, I think it's going to be fun to watch Brock Bowers lead the way. And if Brock continues to do over the course of the season's second month what he has done in the first month, then by the time we get to Halloween and we get to the end of the month, then the Bowers on top of the college football world being a part of the Heisman Trophy conversation, I think it could be truly kind of a real thing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to call the next few weeks brocktober now we're not the first people to use the phrase brocktober before i understand that brock purdy's gonna have his version of that and things like that but this is gonna be the real brocktober this is gonna be brock bowers version of brocktober over the course of the next three games georgia needs him to have a big game against kentucky because right now kentucky's pretty good uh bowers gets a chance to feast against vanderbilt always nice to pad your stats this is the kind of game in which hopefully georgia allows him to do that moving on after that and then the Florida game, you better believe, lousy, stinking Gators. We don't want them to have any taste of success there that day. Therefore, once again, big chance showcase game for Brock Bowers. By the end of October, we want Bowers to be very much part of the Heisman Trophy conversations. We're going to call it Brocktober. Brock, who has led Georgia to its first two SEC wins against South Carolina and certainly against Auburn on Saturday, seeing what he does next, I think is going to be a lot of fun. So let me shift gears to something else here for a moment. Speaking of fun, I did have fun on Saturday, even though admittedly Georgia probably did not play as well on Saturday once again as I expected them to. You know, we have been kind of waiting for Georgia to have this sort of breakout, kick through the door, dominate a South Carolina, dominate an Auburn, and thus far yet it's just not quite happening as of yet. And obviously you could say out loud here, if Georgia doesn't play better than this it's not going to win the national championship and I would say full stop that's just true that the level that Georgia played at on Saturday is not a national championship level so perhaps that means that this is not a national championship team and this won't be a national championship season we obviously predicted it to be that we still believe it will be that but there's a chance we're wrong we are certainly wrong frequently around here unfortunately we just simply can't get everything right 
But no matter where this season ultimately ends, with Georgia eventually figuring it all out and finding a way to go for three and 23, or at some point in time falling short and not quite you know, winning it all here once again, no matter how many more wins Georgia gets the rest of the season, I am certainly glad that Georgia got this one on Saturday. And watching this team and what I certainly view to be a very hostile environment being there at the game, I think that was once again proven true. Watching this team fight and scratch and claw and refuse to lose and you know never say die and all those other cliches that exist. Watching this team do all of that, I got to tell you, I had fun with it. And I'm not saying I'm glad that Georgia didn't play and dominate and whatever else. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I am just really, really glad that Georgia got this rivalry win against Auburn, this winning streak that Georgia has, I'm really, really glad it was preserved for another week. And admittedly, I see some things right now that are a little bit concerning. We're going to talk more about some of those here coming up in just a moment. But I am not so concerned that I can't appreciate. And I was very happy uh, that Georgia got what it got against Auburn. And as a kind of, uh, I guess, a punctuation mark on this topic, Kirby Smart said some similar stuff after the game on Saturday there as well. This is his perspective on that, including a pretty candid acknowledgement here right now of what Georgia is and perhaps right now what Georgia isn't as well. Let's hear Kirby on that. They all matter. Like, they all feel good. I mean, we, we put so much into this. I mean, 16, 18-hour days for five, six, seven days. These kids work really hard. There's a lot of buildup. And then when you, you know, have a situation where you're behind, I don't know how many times, I feel like we are behind the whole game. And you come back and win on the road, says something about your team and your character. Nobody panicked. Nobody panicked. You know, and, and you know, I, I don't know how good a team we got. I really don't. I don't sit here and proclaim that we've got some unbelievable team. But I do think our team – believes in each other. We connect. We step up when we need to step up, but we can't keep turning the ball over. Kirby Smart says, I'm not so sure right now we have some sort of unbelievable team. That perhaps is true. I don't know how many total games Georgia's going to win this year. I certainly don't know that it's going to win them all. Based on the way that it's currently playing, you may be led to believe it's going to lose at some point in time eventually. Maybe that's the case. But if it is, if you're a Georgia fan and you can't win them all, I think your response is, yeah, but you still want to win as many as you can win. And you definitely want to beat rivalry teams like Auburn. And you definitely want to try to find a way to preserve this winning streak that has existed we've all enjoyed as much as you possibly can, as many weeks into the season as you can. And so Georgia found a way to do that again on Saturday. And I am very glad that it did. Nothing moving forward here is guaranteed. And we are led to believe, based on the way this season's played out here thus far for Georgia and almost everybody else there too, certainly nothing is guaranteed. We can't, we can't be sure of anything. But we do know this. It's fun when you find a way to win. And for a Georgia team that's seeing this season thus far be a little bit more difficult and a little bit more challenging than last year's national championship season was, the results thus far are still the same. And I do believe that Georgia deserves some credit for that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella, a window and door of Georgia. Glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, 945 we start, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, across all the other video platforms, of course, radio, Athens, Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and all the podcast platforms. Uh, just the on-demand audio way to listen to the show, Apple, Spotify, everything else. We are just so thankful for you for being a part of our show. And a huge thanks to our friends, Pella Window and Door of Georgia, being a part of the program. We called it before Brocktober. Pella helps us kick off Brocktober here right now by being a part of the uh, show here today. And, of course, energy-efficient windows and doors, they can help you with all of that because as we move to that fall time of year, we kind of move into that sort of breezier, windier you know, time of the year. Leaves are falling and all that kind of stuff fall happening outside your house but you want to keep the outside outside where it's supposed to be you don't want to feel those like drafty uh breezes on the inside of your house you certainly want debris coming in so well-fitted efficient windows and doors that just makes your house feel good on the inside it also makes it look great on the outside and that's what Pella is all about there as well better curb appeal could increase your resale value certainly makes you a good neighbor uh, and it also shows some i guess wisdom to be doing everything you can to kind of protect and, and enhance the most important investment you have right there in your home and, and really great high-quality windows and doors like the kind that Pella Window and Door of Georgia is famous for. 
that is certainly a, a big part of all of that. So have a, uh, a no pressure free consultation with one of those Pella experts. They can do it virtually. Uh, they can do it in your home. You can come see them in their experience center. They're in Duluth and you can just walk through the entire array and product line of the Pella product, the windows, the doors, the installation options, uh, if need be the financing options and talk about all of that. And make sure you hear about special savings opportunities right now, too, because between now and October 28th, you can get 10 percent off your entire project or no payments, no interest until 2025. How about that? From our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia right now. So see them in Duluth or online, PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation. And give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Just make sure you tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily said they would take good care of you because I am quite confident they will. Check out Pella Window and Door of Georgia today because they are viewed to be the best. We got John Stinchcomb coming up here in just a moment. We'll do a Marlowe's Tavern insider update with John, get his thoughts on the Georgia win against Auburn. But prior to that, let's go around the doghouse and let's talk a little bit about some pretty concerning stuff from George in this game. And once again, we're going to use some words from Kirby Smart to help us do this. This is not the Georgia defense we're used to seeing. It's just not. And in particular, the thing that Georgia has sort of hung its hat on more so than anything else, its ability to take away the run. My gosh, uh, that is not what Georgia did on Saturday. And that is eye-opening and alarming to many of us who, as I've said, we just kind of get used to seeing Georgia win games easily. But when the opponent is having rushing success, you realize nothing's going to come easy for Georgia. If they're getting yards on the ground, obviously a lot of this was quarterback run with not just Robbie Ashford, but Peyton Thorne too. Kirby kind of foreshadowed some of that. And when you look at the overall rushing total in excess of 200 yards, you're left to conclude, man, this is a big difference from George. Now, for what it's worth, Kirby Smart did not hold back on Saturday once again, letting us know that what you saw from that Georgia defense this particular weekend, nowhere near good enough and nowhere near equal to the standard we've come to expect from UGA. Kirby Smart did not hold back when saying that. Once again, here's the coach on that particular topic. Good football teams don't you know, let people run the ball on you for 200 yards. That's one of the things that we knew they could do well thought they really ran the ball well and uh, they used the quarterback and, and rushed the ball on us. We, 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 we can't do that. And we got to be able to run the ball better too. But proud of the way the guys fall. Yeah, I mean, like of this huge rushing total, you know, 60, whatever, 61 yards of that came on like just one play to Peyton Thorne. So you could kind of shrug some of it off, except for the fact that that same quarterback run play that Kirby Smart addressed there, while you had the one big one for 61, that was – far from the only sort of quarterback run success that Auburn had in this game they were kind of doing it over and over again for long stretches they really couldn't throw the ball at all and yet they kind of kept going back to that I jokingly said on social media it almost reminds you of that wheel route play that Florida was running against Georgia back in 2020 when they kind of kept going back to that and kept flummoxing Georgia with it you know back in that weird 2020 year this sort of felt like a little bit of a replica of that against the Georgia defense we obviously expect to be much more sound than the pandemic version of Georgia back in 2020 was but on Saturday Auburn just kept pushing the right button when it came to the QB run and uh, once again Kirby went into a little bit more detail about why it was the Tigers Thorne and uh, Ashford were having so much success doing that Kirby one more time well they got misdirection plays a lot of the plays we practice they, they got number one you get an extra hat when you have the quarterback we all know that so unless you got really good really elite defensive line linebackers and safeties that are filling and fitting just perfect one misfit is an eight nine yard run and uh, in the past we haven't struggled with that kind of run game um, they they hurt us you know UAB they copied some things UAB did and we expected it that's what's disappointing it's like you expect it and you don't stop it so we got to help our players and uh, we, we got to get better on defense we got to get better on defense. It's been a long time since so we've heard Kirby Smart have reason to say that, but right now it seems like that's true, at least if you want to see Georgia play at a national championship level. So watching over the course of the next few weeks, including uh, against Kentucky on Saturday, a team we'll talk more about here before our show is done, seeing Georgia get better is going to be paramount. Watching that take place is going to be really important. Seeing the individual players who emerge as a way of helping aid this improvement of the Georgia defense, that's going to be a big, hot topic. But along the way, too, is that we have seen at times more often than the other way around the Georgia defense perhaps bail out sometimes a struggling Georgia offense well this particular season at some point in time kind of like the Peach Bowl was last year you get into a shootout you had to outscore your opponent to win 
at some point in time this year, this Georgia offense is going to perhaps need to bail out this Georgia defense, at least on the way that it's playing here right now. And seeing if Georgia is going to be equal to that task, we still don't quite know that yet either. We know that Brock Bowers, as we said before, will be the one that helps lead the way there on that. But can Georgia find a way to kind of play a little bit more consistently for four quarters and pile up a few more points? Once again, the same way after the South Carolina game, we just said flat out, Georgia just didn't score enough against Auburn on Saturday. It's kind of true, too. You could have scored more and made this game a little easier to win, but right now that's not quite what Georgia is as of yet. But seeing a little more from the Georgia offense is going to be necessary, we think, because this Georgia defense right now is just not quite built in the same mold that the uh, last couple of seasons has been. But as Kirby Smart says, they're going to be working to improve, and they've obviously got plenty of time here over the course of the next few weeks to see the team head in that direction. We will see if they will. That is Around the Doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Now, before we're done, we're also going to get a little more into the game against Kentucky on Saturday because there's one aspect of that that I think you got to be a little bit aware of if you're UGA. You know, Kentucky right now undefeated after beating Florida on Saturday and undefeated, I think, for a pretty specific reason. We'll talk more about that here in just a little bit. Also, there are a couple of second-year coaches in the SEC who I don't know if you put them on the hot seat necessarily. That's probably the wrong way to say this. But there is clearly one thing they may want to say right now that in the SEC you're just simply not allowed to say. We'll talk about what that is here coming up uh, a little bit too to recap a wild weekend around college football. But for now, Georgia wins, maybe a little closer than some thought. You learn some good things about UGA. You see some lingering concerns. There is a wide-ranging discussion, in other words, to be had here. So let's do it as a part of a Marlowe's Tavern insider update as we welcome in John Stinchcomb to the program right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. John, there's a lot of emotion for me after Saturday's win for Georgia at Auburn. On the one hand, I said this on our postgame show on Saturday night, it was fun. Uh, I was happy that Georgia won the game. It sort of felt like a little bit of a throwback to kind of an old school era in which wins against Auburn were far from guaranteed and you were just thankful if you could go into Jordan Hare Stadium and get a win I felt a lot of gratitude as a sports fan on Saturday that my team found a way to win it because it would have been awful not to have won it and I'm really really glad this winning streak for UGA extends at least another week we'll see how much longer it extends beyond that but I'm I'm glad to know it extends at least another week I, I, I certainly felt that way and yet in addition to that there's the my gosh boy this team right now playing a far different brand of football than we uh have seen it play over the course of the last couple of years and so it's that's where I want to start in this discussion here with you right now this Georgia defense in particular giving up more than 200 yards rushing really having a hard time stopping what to the eyes of an untrained observer like me looks like a pretty simple play on the quarterback run and yet Georgia just had a very hard time stopping I think you can rightly say they didn't stop it for the most part there on Saturday what do you make of some uncustomary breakdowns right now for the Georgia defense, in particular when it comes to giving up rushing yards? Mm-hmm. And, and Kirby said it in the past, you're either elite or you're not. And, and Georgia's not elite. Georgia has proven themselves, at least on what you put on camera up to this point on tape, that they don't have that separation we saw in 2022. That's just the reality of where we are. Uh, the defense, you either have to do one of two things. You either have to win your one-on-one matchups and, and dominate, like what we've seen in the past where we had some players that could just whip the guy in front of them, or you've got to fit things perfectly, and Georgia did neither on Saturday. So the reason why those opportunities were created, specifically in that RPO, which is really just uh, the way Auburn was running it, was is an option play, right? The quarterback can either hand it off or, he, or he's pulling it. And they're making the right reads and putting the defense in a little bit of a compromised position again and again and again. Really, Hugh Freeze had called it before the game was even played. He's like, I want to see our guys run RPO more. And they did, and, and did it successfully with quarterbacks that were really another running back back there i don't think either of them scared you and what they could do in the pass game so knowing what an opponent is is going to do even in the clip you just showed or played from kirby um, knowing what your opponent is going to do you prepare your team for it and not being able to stop it 
that's a scary proposition for anybody. It's it's the same thing, you know, for years and years, the New England Patriots in goal line situations, they'd run the same play. And it wasn't a matter of, you know, trickery. You knew what they were going to run. You just had the, the challenge of stopping them from doing it. And so in this scenario, yeah, I think Georgia had a pretty good idea of the game plan Auburn had coming into this game and still struggled to to stop it. So, you know, I, I appreciate the win. It's a good one. Uh, all of them are. Anytime you leave with a W, you're appreciative of it, especially against a rival like Auburn. Uh, even though we've been so dominant, it's hard to even say rival at this point in the uh, recent <laughs> past decade and a half, two decades of dominance that Georgia has had. Uh, but it, it certainly does show that Georgia is mortal this season and needs to play better football as they move forward. So you used an interesting word a moment ago, elite. And we obviously, as you said, heard Kirby Smart use that word before too. I want to get deep in the weeds on like definitions of words here for a moment. You know, John, I think every year in college football we have great teams because to me the word great simply means better than good. You know, if you're way better than what we think of as good, that means that you're great. So in every season you're always going to have great teams. I think elite speaks to scarcity a little bit more in the category of great who stands up and apart from that group. And there perhaps may not always be an elite team. And so right now when we say, and you say it, and I would agree with you, that Georgia's not elite, I would say, well, the reason that is true is because there isn't always an elite team. There may always be great teams, the teams that are better than the good teams, but the elite team is just something different. 2021, 2022, Georgia perhaps was elite. It at least brushed up against elite-level play far more often than not. This season, it seems like that's probably not going to happen, which is kind of in keeping with the sort of tradition of college football. We talked about that a little bit last week. So, John, what that leads me to is, is just because you're not elite doesn't mean you can't still be great because you can have some good luck at some point in time. You can get hot at the right time. You can, through a combination of physical and mental toughness, just sort of refuse to lose. Like, you can still make the most of your opportunity and settle for, and I say this with air quotes, settle for just being great. And I do think that greatness is still out there as a possibility. Eliteness might not quite be uh, a possibility, but greatness still is. And so I am still very plugged in along for the ride, even though we see this team right now not quite being in a category that we would describe as elite. Does that make sense? Sure does. And, and top to bottom, I still think Georgia has the best roster in college football. It just doesn't, you know, we don't have specifically in the box that nightmare player that we've had in the past. And that can be okay. I, I think you're just going to have to, as a Georgia fan, you're going to have to be okay knowing that they're not going to all be runaway wins. And there's going to be some times that we're going to need to catch a break here and there. I tell you what, it, it certainly doesn't help going on the road and having the ball turnover twice. And in years past, that happens. You know, you'll, you'll have turnovers. It happens. And the defense is so suffocating that it doesn't. you don't get punished for it. And we don't have that this year. So you're going to have to play clean ball. And uh, yeah, to Carson's credit, I think he's played clean ball. I, I think – you know, the biggest critique of him is missing those open receivers over the top where you go, golly, that's a big play that should have happened and didn't. But his interception and, and uh, to Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint, I think he put the ball in a position for his receiver to make a play, and he didn't. And, and the defensive back did. So, you know, protecting the football is huge if you're not going to have that separation in talent. It becomes... You know, the, the new metric is explosives. The tried-and-true metric is turnovers. And if you are missing on your explosives and you're turning the ball over, especially on the road, that can be a recipe for disaster. And the fact that Georgia was able to overcome both of those things I think speaks to the fact that uh, they do have a superior talent level overall. We just don't dominate in, in certain aspects of the game the way we have in the past. And like you said, I think that's going to be okay if, you know, now we have to throw that caveat yeah. in there is if 
if you do hit in those right moments and you avoid those uh, falls in the in the times that really matter, but you're going to have to battle and you're going to have to you know fight and scrap like the olden days instead of just relying on the fact that you're far superior in a bunch of different spots. So I want to talk to you more about Carson Beck here in a moment, but you mentioned Brock Bowers. I want to talk about him right now because, John, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're actually in Brocktober. This is going to be Brock's month here for Georgia. <laughs> that, you know, this is, a, I believe, a Georgia team that's going to be led by an individual player, assuming he obviously stays healthy and all that kind of stuff. You know, caveat that to death if you want to. But a Georgia team that I believe is going to be led by an individual player far more than any of these last two Georgia teams have really – needed to be or even you want to go back to like say 2017 things like that you had Chubb and Michelle and you had all this kind of stuff you know going on where you had like tandems of guys or collections of guys the Georgia just in the Kirby Smart era has never really been led by one player but right now Bowers I believe is so good and Georgia also to a certain extent is in such of a need for a player like Brock Bowers that that is part of Georgia's identity right now it is going to be Brock Bowers I think kind of out in front and pacing Georgia more so than a single player typically has there for Kirby Smart when you see him on Saturday and you're obviously more level-headed than I am uh sometimes certainly anyway uh do you see college football's best player and do you see a guy that's playing at the level that I feel like I see him playing at where it's like almost anything he seems capable of doing at any given moment one-handed catches whatever else he is just one of those guys that just won't be denied in situations like what we saw in the fourth quarter on Saturday I couldn't agree more I agree with Ben Watson's assessment of his separation from the pack and his position is uh, the most drastic of any player in college football. He may not have the gaudy numbers that others do, like a, you know, Caleb Williams and for a quarterback at USC, but what he means to Georgia, and I, this is an admission, on Saturday I'm in a text group with some other former teammates, and I'm like, I'm kind of sick of Gary Danielson the whole time saying, <laughs> you know, here's where Brock's lined up, and Brock's got to make a play, and by that second half, you're like, you can't say his name enough yeah. because the guy is stinking dominant. Everything that he does, uh, from making the hard catch to once he gets the ball in his hands, is there a tougher player to bring down just with his speed and, and refusal to be tackled, especially in space? I mean, just an exceptional player. And in years past, the recipe for Georgia is you can take away something and we'll hurt you in other places. The way, uh, you know, if, if we're looking for credit and blame here, the way that Mike Bobo has moved uh, Brock around in the formation, he lines up as an X, he lines up as a slot, he lines up in line, he blocks in line, he blocks as a wing. I mean, he does literally everything from any position and does it at such a high level that it's got to be a part of the weekly game plan. And he is invaluable to this offense right now just because of his versatility and his elite performance. So, you know, as much as you'd like to say, hey, we've got a number of these playmakers and, you know, you can take away. I don't think you can take away Brock's game, and, and that's a testament to – you know, just the amount of work that he's put in and the versatility that he offers to this offense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly obvious a year ago, you know, Georgia has always liked spreading the ball around and making a lot of people feel involved in the offense. One of the ways in which they keep team chemistry high and just make everybody feel like they've got a lot of buy-in. Georgia likes to get a lot of touches for a lot of different guys. I think that was especially true last season because you had a guy like Darnell Washington who is so important to the overall Georgia offense because of how well he blocked that Georgia when it could find a way to reward him with some sort of catch or some sort of touch I think that Georgia went out of his out of its way a year ago to involve Darnell when it could because they wanted him to feel rewarded because he was doing so much heavy lifting that he perhaps wouldn't get credit for if he didn't occasionally get a touched you know a catch or reception to go along with that this is just a different kind of Georgia team last year Georgia had the luxury of you could give Brock two catches in the Oregon game or two catches in the Tennessee game. 
John, if 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 there's an SEC game here the rest of the season that Brock Bowers only catches the ball twice, I believe that Georgia is a strong candidate to, to lose in a situation like that. It's just not the same type of you know situation for Georgia this year that it was a year ago. I think that's fair. I think there's got to be we got to be able to produce more in the run game, and yeah, yeah I think Dejon Edwards is a great player. But if, if all you have is thunder and you don't have any lightning, that's, that's not the best combo, if you will. And, and we've seen that a couple of three, obviously, throughout this season. And health is a factor. I appreciate the, what Dylan Bell has brought to the table. I mean, his willingness as a wide receiver to be like, sure, I'll, I'll take some carries. It has been a breath of fresh air. But it's also a condemnation of that running back room in general the fact that we don't have a guy that can really threaten teams on the edge with his speed uh that's that's a limitation if you will and if you're going to have those sorts of limitations with the way that georgia has been built the way that they like to be and as an offense just the general approach that they've had of we're going to pound you and we're going to soften you up and then we're going to take our shots um, I don't think they have that same makeup that they have in uh, in years past. I hate to continue to reference uh, years that have gone by because each team has its own identity. And this team's identity has got to focus and feature Brock Bowers. And, you know, uh, that's just the where, where they're at and the fact that they have such an elite talent and can create such mismatches and nightmares for defenses that you know that's got to be the the central focus and i i do think that for those meaningful games not the ones where you're far superior in talent like we saw in weeks one through four but as we go into the thick part of this uh season for georgia and specifically in this postseason hopefully um it's got to be a Brock Bowers-centric offense where, if nothing else, you're creating opportunities based on him, which means if a defense is... You know, it's hard to create double teams constantly as a defense. When you do that, you're creating other opportunities and your sacrifices, right? It's the same thing with defenses that bring pressure constantly. If you're going to blitz, that's fine. You just have to know the, the price that you're paying for that opportunity. The price that you're paying to bring an extra body comes at the expense of you're putting some of your other players in some vulnerable positions of you know, one-on-one, man-to-man matchups with space and grass. So if the defense is going to have to start adjusting to where Brock is on the field, and that's a little bit harder uh, done than said because of his versatility of lining up in the myriad of places where Georgia deploys him, then that's going to come uh, at an expense to a defense. And uh, I think we're just really going to have to rely on that more moving forward. No, I think that's really well said. You brought up Carson Beck, and I want to move to this. So, John, I realize that, you know, sometimes the post-game reaction you get from fans, perhaps, you know, that's not everybody's cup of tea all the time, but I do appreciate it. I love doing our Dog Nation post-game show because I genuinely want to hear what fans have to say after the game and I'm always grateful for the great collection of calls that we get the wide range of opinions that we get I do truly enjoy that and when you kind of hear a familiar refrain more than once several times I take that pretty seriously there's a little bit of a wisdom in crowds thing for me on this that if everybody says the same thing then perhaps it's at least worth considering and what I thought to be kind of interesting is in a game in which you know he threw an interception and also you know probably missed a, a possible touchdown to Oscar Delp the overall chatter about Carson Beck after the game on Saturday night on our Dog Nation postgame show was really very positive I think that Carson Beck won over some Georgia fans by the big throws that he made in the second half on Saturday and some people may say well fans are fickle they'll change their mind if whatever happens who knows perhaps that's true but but I really kind of felt like it was interesting that you know given a chance to maybe sink their teeth into some of the issues in the first half the fact that Georgia once again didn't score any first quarter points things like that 
that's not really what the chatter from Georgia fans, at least the ones that I interacted with, was like on Saturday night. They felt like the phrase we kept hearing a lot is, oh, Beck grew up today. Beck grew up today. Kirby Smart himself talked about no procedural penalties, no false starts, things like that in his first road start. I do think there's an aspect to which that Carson Beck may be a little bit of a lukewarm reception through the first four games, just to be honest, from some Georgia fans. I think he won a lot of people over with the fact that he propelled, helped propel Georgia to a win there Saturday afternoon, turning into Saturday night. I know you touched on Carson a moment ago, but what do you make around the about the vibe around Carson right now and what looks to be a pretty positive response from Dog Nation? Well, good. I'm grateful to hear that that's the perception that's out there because, you know, he was the unknown commodity and he's coming on the heels of Stetson Bennett, who <laughs> he certainly had a number of detractors. I remember in that 21 national championship game where it's halftime and folks are still texting me saying, hey, we got to <laughs> try something else. He's not the guy, right? And now I think it, it's a fair argument to say he's eligible for the uh, Mount Rushmore of Georgia players. So, you know, Fans want to see Georgia dominate consistently and constantly. And usually, uh, you know, who are the guys that either get all the love or all the hate? That's the quarterback. And I think for Carson, you look at his overall body for work this at this point in the season, and you say he's made a lot of plays. He's protected the ball. He's made good decisions. He's put us in a place to win every game that we've played. Uh, are there plays that you'd want back from for him, and I'm sure he would say the same, absolutely. He's missed some guys. He's missed some big play opportunities. But he certainly hadn't hurt us. He hadn't been the guy where you're going, this is not the answer. And I think all the Auburn game is a, a great representation of that. You see, you know, he gets credited with an interception on a ball that uh, I, don't have, I wouldn't have a problem with him throwing it, whether he was a teammate or whether I was a coach. I would say, you know, uh, throw that ball. Give Marcus uh, an opportunity to make a play on it. I don't have a problem with that. I, I, what I do want to see is how do you respond after that. And and he did. I mean, he, he has been able to take ownership of mistakes and also put Georgia in a position to win. And um, that, that's what we're looking for for a quarterback. What you heard Kirby say at the beginning of the year is, we don't want Carson to feel like, and this is obviously paraphrasing, like he's got to go out there and win every game. And he has played that way. He's played within the system for the most part um, and hasn't cost Georgia the opportunities um, to where the rest of the team is going to have to make up for the mistakes of, of the quarterback play. So I think fans are starting to recognize uh, who he is, what he offers, and the, the value that I think a lot of us or a lot of folks that have criticized him uh, have missed and just his ability to make sure that, uh, you know, it's not because of self-inflicted wounds from the quarterback position that cost Georgia the opportunity to win games. I have kept you long. I apologize. I do want to squeeze in one more question here in a moment before we go, John, if you don't mind. And let me also remind folks, this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here today on Dog Nation Daily. And of course, John's our Dog Nation Insider, but you yourself have a chance to be a Marlowe's Tavern Insider. And you get so many great benefits just for doing that. And the cool thing is, it's free to join. So when you go to Marlowe'sTavern.com, you can find out more about it. And when you get signed up, you're going to get an initial offer just for doing so. How about $10 off a $30 order there at Marlowe's Tavern just for becoming a member of the Insiders Club. Then after that, you're looking to get those qualified visits. When you go to Marlowe's and spend at least $15 on food or beverage, that's a qualified visit. When you get four qualified visits, well, then you're going to earn a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit. You also get special birthday offers and things like that, and you can redeem these uh, at the Marlowe's Taverns uh, all across town, including the one perhaps right there in your neighborhood. So become a Marlowe's Tavern Insider today online at marlowstavern.com and they'll also send you cool stuff for your birthday there as well just a great chance to enjoy really fun stuff from marlowe's tavern and get some big time incentives when you do so chef inspired food craft cocktails you know what marlowe's tavern is all about all right so john let's finish with this it's kentucky on saturday you know florida's still pretty salty on defense that's a few weeks away you know missouri right now also an undefeated team ranked in the top 25 you know tennessee very convincing in its win against south carolina 
the stretch for Georgia here coming up, you got four teams ranked in the top 25. You got a Georgia team where right now nothing is really guaranteed. Um, a pretty interesting stretch here over the course of these next few weeks for UGA. And if you feel like maybe some Georgia fans are like, I'm not quite so sure what this team is. Well, by the time you're done with, you know, middle part of November, uh, you will definitely know. I should mention Ole Miss too. just beat LSU on Saturday. You're going to learn a lot here over the course of these next few weeks. Are you not? Yeah, everything you want to know. And for everybody who is thinking that you know, Georgia's just got this cakewalk, their schedule plays out, that's that's a load. I mean, you look at the teams that are remaining, and Georgia wins out, and you say they have earned it because this isn't an easy task that uh, is presented to them at this point. You look at uh, teams across the board that – might have been chirpy at the beginning of the season. They're playing two, maybe three, top 25 teams. Now, Georgia doesn't play a top 10 team, but there's a number of teams that are very capable, and I think what this season has has proven is that there's a lot of uh, talented teams that are dangerous. Dangerous is probably a good word to use, that you're going to have to play good football, and I don't think there's a whole lot of cupcakes left on Georgia's schedule. You got to go out there and you got to play good football. And they will have earned that opportunity at the end of the year uh, if it ends up the way that I think Georgia fans obviously want and, and projected at the beginning of the year. But there are some capable teams out there that, that can really strike and hurt uh, this Georgia team. So. Uh, it's going to be good football. It's going to be kind of reminiscent of the days where each game mattered and um, you didn't have to uh, go ahead and make plans for that second half because you knew yeah. the game would already be over. I mean, all these are going to be, let's make sure we're watching all 60 minutes and they're playing all 60 minutes because, you know, the, the teams remaining on Georgia's schedule are, are very capable. John, great stuff. Thanks for being here as a part of a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update here today. Hope you have a great week. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week about what we hope is a Georgia win against Kentucky. Enjoyed it. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Let me say one thing here in response to something that John brought up because I think it's uh, I think it's you know fair to kind of point this out. John's 100% right that overall, I think that Georgia needs more from its running game than what it got on Saturday. You want some easy points. You want to kind of get more back into like the 30s, a place that we saw Georgia be with regularity in SEC play these last couple of uh, national championship seasons. More running game obviously helps you do that. And I like how John said it. You can't have just thunder. You got to have a little thunder and lightning too. You know, Georgia needs, you know, a little bit more to kind of come from, uh, you know, what it's getting from Dejon Edwards. But in the midst of that, the Edwards performance, I do think, needs to be pointed out. I thought Edwards played an incredibly tough game for George on Saturday. There were a couple of key runs that Edwards really helped propel George on. Found the end zone, of course, there as well. But when George is backed up and it's you know, like two-yard line, looking at a 98-yard field in front of it on that first down play, he gets 16 yards right there. You know, he, you know, you know, he set up what were some key points for Georgia by getting you out of the shadow of the goal line right there on first down. I thought the Dejon Edwards played a really good game for Georgia. I, I think that's worth mentioning here. And around that, you do probably need a little bit more of a robust performance in the Georgia rushing game. That is also true as well. Now, let me tell you something else that's true. It is fun to think about cruising around the SEC with Royal Caribbean and fun to think about Royal Caribbean cruise vacations in particular, including giving Jessica Slater a call. That's a travel agent specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. You hit her up, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com, jslater at dreamvacations.com. And one of the things I want you to ask Jessica about in particular, and obviously Dog Nation Cruise in April, of course, but here's what, what I specifically want you to ask her about. Tell her, tell her, BA said there was a brand new thing coming to Perfect Day Coco K. Many of you know, I love Perfect Day Coco K. Private island right there in the Bahamas. Every Royal Caribbean cruise vacation I take, I want to go to Perfect Day Coco K, that private island, because Royal Caribbean cruise ships are the only ships that can get there. Uh, I love that. And there's a brand new thing that's going to make Perfect Day Coco Cay, so much more fun. More fun than it already is, which is hard to imagine. That's Hideaway Beach. Brand new section 
of Perfect Day Coco K set to debut. I believe it's early 2024 on that, I believe. January, I think. Uh, in time for the uh, arrival of Icon of the Seas and all that kind of stuff. The cool things that uh, Royal Cribbins got going on in 2024. So let Jessica tell you about Hideaway Beach because it's going to be amazing. Uh, talk to her. And, of course, we'll see you in April for our Dog Nation cruise there as well. Now, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And there is one thing in the SEC that you're not allowed to say. And two coaches may be tempted to say it, but they're not going to get away with this. It's this. Hey, you got to be patient. you got to give me time. It's only my second year. The fact of the matter is, is that that line, that argument works for a first-year coach. Georgia's a perfect example of this. Think about how good Georgia has been since Kirby Smart's second season, 2017. They make the college football playoff. They won the SEC. Truly arrived on the scene. Could have won the national championship. But in year one, just eight and five. In year one, this was a far cry outlier from almost all the success that Georgia's enjoyed since then, including prior to winning the national championship, Georgia just been a much better team kind of post-2017 than it was in that first year for Kirby in 2016. So you can pretty much get away with anything when it comes to your first year. For goodness sakes, uh, Nick Saban, way back in 2007, his first year at Alabama, they lost to Louisiana Monroe. But there's a lot of grace for first-year failure. There's a lot of grace for a first-year performance that's not quite up to that program's typical standard because obviously things must have been bad before you got there. Otherwise, they wouldn't have needed a new coach. So a lot of grace for first year, and there's a lot of change in the culture vibe and stuff like that. But in the SEC, you don't get to say, be patient, it's just my second year. Because, once again, Kirby Smart won the SEC in his second year. Mark Rick won the SEC in his second year. Nick Saban won the SEC West Alabama in his second year. Urban Meyer had tremendous, well, they won the national championship his second year or, or, or pretty close to that. Uh, you know, they're at Florida, you know, big time success by year two. A lot of SEC coaches have it. So when you see, for instance, starting with Florida, Billy Napier in year two going on the road to Kentucky, and I know that Kentucky was a slight favorite here in this game. This is still Florida, a program that at one point in time had a 30-year winning streak against Kentucky. Now they've lost three straight. And all of a sudden, now we're not even into Brocktober yet, or just barely into what we're calling Brocktober. Florida's already lost two times. That is not the kind of thing that Florida fans are going to tolerate. Now, I'm not talking about that puts Billy Napier in the hot seat or he's going to get fired after this year or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is no second year excuse for why you're two and two or whatever, Florida two and three, whatever Florida is after this point in the season. You don't get to say it's just my second year because in the SEC, second year success is expected. And if that's true for Billy Napier, the same thing is also true for Brian Kelly as well at LSU, especially in the case of Kelly, because this is a guy that Scott Woodward, the LSU athletic director, spent big on to bring to LSU, a guy who at Notre Dame had won plenty and had certainly racked up a lot of wins against you know the kind of unranked teams and, and lesser resource teams. Those are the kinds of teams that Notre Dame always seemed to beat when Brian Kelly was head coach there. When Kelly ran up against better talent, better teams, uh, not only did Notre Dame not win those games, they were almost always non-competitive. But at a place like LSU, the reason that Kelly came there was so that he could have access to the kind of talent that he wasn't going to get at Notre Dame. Kelly knew he would never win a national championship at Notre Dame. That's why he left, came to LSU to do so. But here we are in year two of Brian Kelly. That's a team that's already lost twice. And that is below the expectation for LSU. After losing to Ole Miss on Saturday and a really embarrassing performance by the LSU defense, one in which they tried to go to the transfer portal and fill some holes on, and it's just not worked. And I'm going to repeat myself. I'm not putting Brian Kelly on the hot seat. I'm not telling you that this means he's going to get fired after this season, but this isn't good enough for LSU, not only because they won the SEC West a year ago, but because the last three coaches at LSU all won national championships. Ed Orgeron, Les Miles, Nick Saban, and they all had tremendous success very early in their tenure as LSU coach. So I don't know, you know what Brian Kelly's future is at LSU, but if you're not putting together a big year by year two, the kind of thing that really puts you in the National League conversation, there is a track record to suggest that you never will. So it is eye-opening that an LSU team that had playoff aspirations that I had picked to be in the playoff, and listen, my prediction is going to be wrong. That's fine. I get plenty wrong. But the point is it wasn't outlandish to suggest that LSU could be a team at that level. To have already lost twice in the season's first month, that's not good enough. And 
you guys know as well as I do, there are a lot of rumors here, and we kind of jokingly say we don't give credence to every you know rumor involving Georgia, but the stuff involving other SEC teams, we'll just sort of throw it out there. There have been a lot of rumors about locker room issues at LSU and cultural problems, players not getting along with each other. That's been true now for a couple of years. Kelly's got to fix that kind of stuff. Uh, he is behind schedule in terms of what LSU expects. And uh, Billy Napier, it just may never happen for him if it doesn't start happening soon. Uh, let me also mention this very quickly. Uh, we clearly threw a lot of dirt on Texas A&M after it lost uh, against Miami because that seemed to be in keeping with what the last few years had kind of been for them. I think there's reason to suggest that may have been too soon. And listen, <laughs> you don't want to go too far in the other direction now after perhaps going too far on the negative. But you get the sense there's some opinions sort of changing about Texas A&M. Let's watch the chatter ahead of Texas A&M's game against Alabama on Saturday. It's a fun game. Let's watch what's said about the Aggies going into this game because I sort of give Texas A&M a shot against Alabama on Saturday. A&M obviously got the rivalry win against Arkansas again on Saturday. Pretty convincing fashion. Max Johnson didn't have amazing numbers stepping in for Connor Wegman. But to function as well as he did, for the A&M offense to function as well as it did on the heels of losing a starting quarterback to an injury for the rest of the season, A&M deserves some credit for that. And right now, you can make a case that perhaps the best two tandem of receivers in the SEC, Aeneas Smith and Evan Stewart, might be there at Texas A&M. In other words, you know, Aggies have not had an offensive spark the entire time Jimbo Fisher has been coach. Now, though, it sort of feels like that's not quite quite as true as much anymore does kind of seem like they're figuring out some of that kind of stuff on that side of the ball so perhaps some opinions kind of changing a little bit about Texas A&M right now and maybe they get a little positive chatter moving into this Alabama game on Saturday I think Bama A&M is a really really fun game and quickly I'll also mention other SEC teams Bama very convincing against Mississippi State we weren't surprised by that Missouri no problem with Vanderbilt this is a Missouri team that's undefeated ranked in the top 25 and first Saturday in November that starts to feel like more than just a revenge game for Georgia and a game that it played closer than the experts thought a year ago. That just feels like another and what all of a sudden looks like a pretty tough stretch for Georgia the next few weeks. Luther Burden's having an outstanding season for Missouri. And then Tennessee, really pretty dominant against South Carolina. We expected the Gamecocks to play a little better here than they did. Tennessee probably deserves a little credit here for shaking off that loss to Florida and finding a way to, to get for them what I know is an emotional revenge-type game because of what uh, South Carolina did to them late last season. We will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here coming up in a moment, we'll get back to Georgia. We've also got as funny a collection of golden shoes as we've had in quite some time. A lot of them here on a Monday. As you would imagine, a lot of these are Brock Bowers-themed. Instead of saving some, we just decided to go ahead and use them all uh, here today. So we'll get to that here coming up in just a moment but prior to that we love college football weekends because we like watching all these games if you're settled in watching them on tv the other thing you see a lot of is our friends from dr pepper i don't think there's any company probably more connected to college football game days and then dr pepper here in this 2023 season it's dr pepper's year and it's your time to enjoy the traditional original dr pepper or dr pepper zero sugar the brand new strawberries and cream you're getting stocked up for game day tailgate parties watch parties everything in between you know how much i love dr pepper and i especially love dr pepper on college football game days it's the one-of-a-kind taste of dr pepper it's the one fans deserve so make sure you check out some dr pepper uh, each and every weekend that you are enjoying some college football now speaking of college football weekend coming up here uh, next saturday or this upcoming saturday georgia against kentucky kentucky a team now kirby has respect for every coach but you sort of get the impression he has a little extra level of respect for Mark Stoops because the same kind of physical toughness that Kirby likes to have as the hallmark of his teams. Mark Stoops got a lot of that on the uh, Kentucky side there as well. In fact, they've shown that a lot this season here thus far. Kirby offered us already. Now, he'll do his regular Monday press conference coming up here in just a little bit. But on Saturday night, he was already willing to do a little bit of a look ahead of Kentucky and what he expects to see from a very physical-minded, tough-minded Mark Stoops coached team. This is Kirby's early preview of what's going to happen this upcoming Saturday against Kentucky. That's Mark Stoops' team. They're going to be physical. He's a defensive coach. Uh, they run the rock. I've always said our kids are the most sore they've ever been after playing Kentucky, and it was that way last year. It was a bloodbath last year up there, and uh, it'll be the same way. I have so much respect for the way his team plays and um, the back they got. I, I heard that he's playing really good. I didn't know anything about today, but the back they got from Vandy is a great player. 
So that's obviously all true. And you, you saw uh, uh, Ray Davis, what, 280 yards rushing against Florida on Saturday. How embarrassing is that for Florida? I mean, you talk about Florida, how in the world they could even show their face after just going up there and just getting manhandled by the likes of Kentucky. Uh, tough scene there for Florida. But nonetheless, to be serious here for a moment, tough game there for UGA. And the physical toughness of Kentucky is obviously a factor in all of that. But the one thing that gives me a little bit of concern here, and the one reason why I got that little bit of a fan butterfly in my stomach already about this game, I'm pretty nervous about the Kentucky game on Saturday in a way that I typically might not be. But like the one thing that Kentucky's proven to be pretty good at is, is they are willing to play very, very slow. I was looking at the numbers last week. We mentioned this. I think it was on Friday's show. They're like the third slowest team in the country in terms of total plays run per game. They're running like 50-something plays per game. I haven't seen the numbers after the Florida game, but going into the weekend, they're like 50-something plays per game, and yet they've been very efficient with the small number of possessions they've had. They actually have more plays of 20 or more yards this year than Georgia does. They've got 33. I think Georgia's got 28. So they've been a little bit more explosive than Georgia um, in a small number of possessions, small number of plays run per game. They've just been pretty efficient. So this is one of those deals where Saturday would not be a good day for Georgia to be scoreless in the first quarter. Because if you you know have possession, you don't maximize your opportunity, all of a sudden you create a thing where Kentucky gets it and just keeps it for a long while, and they've shown an ability to be efficient without having to run a whole bunch of plays to get some explosives. That's the thing about Kentucky that makes me a little bit nervous. I, I will tell you, I've already got this game on my mind a little bit, and my inner Larry Munson may be coming out before uh, it is all said and done. I'm not picking them to win or anything like that, uh, Kentucky, but uh, I'm a little concerned about Saturday's game. I think it could be uh, sneaky tough for UGA, even though this is the spot we typically see Georgia dominate. All right, before we play our fight song and wrap it up, we got so many golden shoes today. Let me just give you some of these before we play the song, because I do think these are obviously really fun, and a lot of these, as we said before, are kind of Brock Bowers-themed here. As we move into Brocktober, the month in which Bauer is going to show that he's the best player in college football. Frankie Fibonacci sings this. And by the way, this Kevin James meme is suddenly everywhere of the kind of the sort of like confident smirk from James here. And uh, Frankie laughing at those who think a tight end couldn't go number one overall in the NFL draft. Brock Bauer showing you he could be that guy using the Kevin James meme to help us do that. Frankie will give you a golden shoe for that. Well done indeed. Uh, how about UGA Nation 412? How about these numbers for Georgia? He says uh, Georgia hasn't lost a game in 665 days, hasn't been uh, beaten at home in 1,451 days, and since its last loss to Florida in the cocktail party, it's 38-1 and one since then. He says well, those are astounding numbers for me. You better believe, UGA Nation, and I'm so thankful to uh, have you share those and also the ride that we've been on, and we're all eager to see – how much longer it can all keep going. So really good stuff there. How about our next golden shoe? Getting back to the Brock Bauer stuff, and obviously a lot of attention being paid to Travis Kelsey, Dayton Taylor Swift, but uh, Brad gives us the head-turning meme here. Perhaps uh, Taylor Swift more interested in another tight end, Brock Bowers here right now. I like the thought of that. Good stuff from Brad. We'll give a golden shoe there to the new tight end, maybe stepping into a Travis Kelsey space. That is really fun to consider. Another golden shoe now. Uh... Let's do another golden shoe. There we go. Keith Pitts gives you, we talk about Brock Bowers for Heisman. Keith gives you the Heisman trophy with Brock Bowers' face there on the award. I think that looks absolutely how it should be. He also replaces the uh, gold plaque there with hashtag Bowers for Heisman. Keith, I am here for all of that. We'll give you a golden shoe for that there too. And to keep the fun going here, how about another Bowers-themed golden shoe? Our buddy Mad Dog sends us this. This is well done. Mad Dog's just good at this. He says, uh, I've, this is a never-before-seen picture from the Georgia locker room of Brock Bowers suiting up before the game. And if you're not watching on video, what you see is, is Bowers taking off his shirt to reveal the Superman S on his chest there. I've said before, there's definitely a little bit of a Clark Kent Superman vibe with Bowers. You see him before the game, could not be more mild-mannered and you know somewhat gentlemanly on the field, an absolute savage with the way that he plays, and you love everything about that with him. So really good stuff from Mad Dog and very much a Superman-esque type deal for Bowers. Bubba sends this, and not to play favorites here, but this may be my favorite thing of the week, that uh, 
the great former horseman Arn Anderson wrote this message on social media. As a Georgia boy and a huge fan of football, I'd just like to send Coach Smart, his staff, and the Georgia Bulldogs a huge thank you for providing me some incredible Saturday drama. Nothing more exciting than waiting to see who will step up each week and nothing to do but make Brock Bowers an honorary member of the Four Horsemen. Bubba writing to say that Bowers, an honorary horseman, that may even be better than the Heisman Trophy. Bubba, I would agree with you on that. Really good stuff, and we appreciate Arn Anderson showing a little love there for uh, Brock Bowers. And then one final uh, uh, golden shoe to give you here. Clint Haynes writing this uh, says that B.A. is having a uh, bad hair night. Uh, and if you're watching there, you see my hair's kind of like sticking up in the back from where I had the head- headset on. And so uh, Clint, rightly so, making fun and laughing at me for my hair look there. The other thing, Clint, that I don't like about this picture, for those that can see this, the listening face after all these years just not getting any better. So the photo that Clint's showing is from our post-game show, and this is me giving Jeff Sintel, who stopped by to be on the show, a rare moment to talk. And I'm sort of waiting for him to stop talking so I can start talking again. That listening face is just rough. I mean, I look like I found out that my car got towed. Like, like, what does that look on my... I mean, I'm not a handsome guy anyway, but the look on my face is just horrendous, to say nothing of the hair. A uh, little windblown there, perhaps. Headset kind of messing you up a little bit there. So, yeah, not a great hair night. Clint, justified and laughing at me about that. We'll give him a golden shoe there, too. By the way, lousy, stinking Gators. Georgia got one rivalry win this past Saturday. Another one comes 26 days from now. That is our Gatorade countdown. We'll see all of you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia.